Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. to tell podcast episode 90 dexter henry brian fonseca here yep. it is hot outside it's been pretty hot uh throughout july everybody's laughing because it's so hot it is uh, it's 100 degrees now i'm gonna let everybody know i'm not going to do any kind of accuweather real field temperatures or you know anything <laughs> about that that's not what i'm doing here uh but we do have a very special guest yes that we are excited about today uh ian eagle play-by-play voice of the brooklyn nets you can also see him doing some things for turner uh as well tnt and you see him doing some stuff there he also was the voice of the french open uh recently this year so doing a lot of stuff and i and ian i always feel like i'm sometimes messing with your names in the wrong way I say. <laughs> you think you're the first one ever do that i know it's ian but because ian begley is my good friend i yeah. sometimes I'm, yeah want to say ian yeah maybe the I, the best thing to ever happen to me is yeah. that someone called ian begley ian ah that. like that was a huge <laughs> achievement in my life that I somehow am. the switcheroo and he had to go no no no, no it's, no, it's ian. ian ian begley <laughs> But see now, I got, now I'm gonna have to text him about that. We're gonna, we're gonna have to talk about that. Yeah. Tell him I'm sorry. Apologize I, I will, for me. I, he, he'll be up here I'm soon. Sure he'll be, we'll, I'm we'll sure he'll be back here soon. We'll, we'll definitely talk to him about I'm that. I'm gonna tell Dex to call him Iron Bagley. <laughs> now, See gonna, how that goes over. That's, not, that's gonna change our friendship. That might <laughs> uh, Iron, how are you, man? I'm well. I'm doing well. Good. Nice to come into the city to see you guys. Yeah. It's funny when you drive into the city. The road rage starts to percolate, <laughs> oh, man. and I've handled that. Like I had terrible road rage back in my early days. Yeah, I lived in Queens, grew up there, right. lived right. in the city, moved to Jersey, and I used to drive a lot when I was still working at FAN. Mm. And I had the serious rage. And somewhere along the line, I realized once I had kids, like, hey, it's not worth it. But then. Like a day like this, the heat, people are getting agitated. Yeah. So I don't like come right out and give someone the finger. <laughs> what I do, I do it uh, very tactfully. I will use it on the steering wheel ah. as if oh. I'm steering. So <laughs> I'm getting out my feelings. But you're not really on full display showing it. Uh, absolutely not. So if someone questions me, like, hey, did you give me the finger? Like, no, this oh, is just, I just drive. <laughs> Like this. So we had two instances of that right around the Lincoln Tunnel and trying oh, to oh, make a, a turn onto 38. That's now, it. Now, the reason you can't go full uh, flip the bird on everybody now. is that, you know, somebody might snap a picture and then it's Iron Eagle flips the bird right. to uh, right. other motorists. That's TMZ. Iron then I'm done. It's not Iron, a good look. There's, there's a joke in Iron Eagle flips the flip bird. Flip the bird. Ah, there is a connection. 
there. I, Very I, big I connection. Totally, I totally missed that. That would actually be a TMZ headline. Somebody's going somebody's <laughs> to make that a T-shirt. Eagle flips the bird. Eagle flips the bird. <laughs> right. It, it writes itself. Okay, so you're staying away from the road rage. <laughs> I am. Which, which is good. Um, you were here. You do a lot of stuff in play-by-play, yeah. which, which everybody knows you for now. I'm trying to think about how long I've been listening to you. Right, yeah. It's been quite some time. How long have you been uh, the voice of the Nets? Voice of the Nets is 25 years. Yeah. It's hard to, to believe. Yeah. Well, you're, well, you're like the reason Kyrie Irving chose to go. <laughs> yeah. Let's get this out on the table right now. I was the reason. Yes. How, do, how does it feel? How does it feel to be the reason? <laughs> the reason Kyrie Irving wants to come back home. You know, you know what's funny? Uh, I did meet Kyrie, yep. obviously being around NBA circles, but this is a very strange story. The the circumstances are almost hard to believe. I was doing an NFL game in Baltimore, Thanksgiving weekend. Mm. I decide to take the train home from Baltimore. I'm not a huge train guy. Huh. And I'll give you a few reasons. One, I still write my notes. So okay. on a train, uh, when you're shaky. writing, yeah, it goes yeah. sideways. The handwriting on gets you. worse. So that's one. <laughs> Two, I think people take major liberties on trains. Shoes off, socks off. I see things happen oh, on <laughs> oh, trains. Yeah, we have to talk about some of that. In right, that's, that's a problem. Oh, that's a problem. And then third, also, because the cell phone works, yeah. people are very comfortable with their conversations. I had a guy in front of me on a train, and he's talking about as loud as possible, and he was reminding people around him. I'm on a conference call with China. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care about your conference call. I don't care where it's happening. But yet he still was reiterating it when people were looking at him. Yeah. So I'm not a huge train guy. I take the train back and I get into the, the lead car. Okay. And there's yeah. no one on it. Huh. No one on it. I'm like, oh my goodness. This is this perfect. Is great. I'm going to put my bag next to me. I already know right. it's a trap. Well, <laughs> conductor comes up. He says, sir, uh, we have some uh, people coming on. You're going to have to take a single seat. I said, really? There, there's no one here? He said, they're coming on. All right. <laughs> so I get into my device. I'm watching whatever I'm watching. We get to Delaware. Nobody's on the train. A couple people straggle in. Okay. Mm. We get to Philly, and I'm knee-deep in whatever show that, that I was watching, maybe Narcos at the time. Mm. Yeah. Good watching. And the Cleveland Cavaliers get on the train. Oh. One by one. Oh. They're on the train. Wow. wow. So I'm talking Kevin Love. I'm talking Kyrie Irving. I'm talking Richard Jefferson, Chris Anderson. On and on. The only one that wasn't on the train was Le Tristan Thompson. Uh -oh. No. So LeBron. LeBron, LeBron was there. On the train. Oh, I was about to oh. say. I thought LeBron I was going to say. I thought LeBron was too good for the Excel LeBron Express. is on the train. <laughs> wow. So uh, my first thought is, what's happening right yeah. now? What are they doing on this train? <laughs> so I'm, I'm still doing my thing Richard's sitting in the front so I'm not going to go bother him I'll just say what's up on the way out yeah. I'm only maybe 45 minutes from my stop 40 minutes in they make the announcement next stop that's my stop I yep. grab my stuff the train stops oh boy a cold stop okay before we get to the station oh okay. no oh no it's right that's the, not a good feeling and now I'm standing up I had to grab myself and we are in a standstill mode. No announcement, and everyone's freaking out a little bit. So Richard Jefferson makes his way towards my area, and I, I grab his arm, and he gives up, yo, what the? Oh, hey, Ian, you've been on the train the whole time? Yeah, yeah, what's up? I was just chilling so, in the back. Yeah, so we chat for 40 minutes. Wait, you were stuck? 
40 minutes, 4-0. He sits on my armrest, and we're talking through, we're catching up. I hadn't seen him in that setting in a long time. Wow. So right at the end of it, I said, hey, what happened, by the way? You were in the front of the train. He goes, oh, we hit somebody. Oh. I said, what? He said, we hit somebody. I get out of here. He gets up. He goes to the front. Now Kyrie Irving starts making his way back towards me. Uh-huh. And Kyrie, this is pretty incredible. He stops at the guy in front of me. Right in front of me. And he says, excuse me, I don't mean to bother you. Guy wearing glasses, probably 10 years older than me. Yeah. Huh. And the guy's reading the newspaper. He says, yeah. He says, hey, look, I just want to let you know, I grew up a huge Nets fan. Huge. I think you're the best broadcaster in the NBA. He's saying this to the guy in front of me. And I'm looking. I go, wait a second here. You got the wrong Yeah. Guy. <laughs> I said, Kyrie. I said, I'm Iron Eagle. He said, oh, that's embarrassing. Wait, wait, wait. Can we stop that for a second? Can we go to the guy that's sitting in the chair? He has no idea what's happening. Because I'm like, I'm like, was he going to own this? Was he going to say, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. He <laughs> was deeply puzzled. I, he, I was going to say, did he know? Like, deeply puzzled. So Kyrie now makes his way one seat over. We bro hug. He sits down, and we talk for 40 minutes. We're still stuck. Wait, wait. So this is 40 minutes on top of the I was going to say. On top of the Richard 40 minutes. That's an hour 20. Yes. What time of day was this? This was 8 o'clock. So from 8 to 9, 20. A.M.? P.M.? P.M. I did the game that that day. Did Did the Ravens game. I'm trying to get Get home. home. I'm five minutes from my station. Where were the Cavs going? Cavs are going to hang out in New oh, York. Yeah. They had just beaten oh, the 76ers. Oh, oh. <laughs> and I asked Richard, I go, what are you guys doing here? He said, we're going to hang in New York as a group, and we're going to take Ubers back to Philly. Really? So Kyrie and I get into some deep net stuff. He's asking me legitimate questions about the Jason Kidd, Vince Carter dynamic. Wow. Did they get along? Like a real true blue Nets fan. Yeah. Huh. And at that moment, I realized, because I had not had, obviously, deep conversations with Kyrie. He yeah. thought the other dude was me. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So I realized, oh, okay, this guy, he's the real thing. Yeah. He's this real, is not like a nice thing. narrative right. that, oh, he grew up in Jersey. He's the real thing. So that, that Sla- kind of slash, soft- slash, you're also the reason he came here. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to the original point. Yes. Because it, it sounds like to me that, you, you know, you might have been responsible for him wanting to except, come here. Except now we have to give Kyrie a hard time that he did not recognize No, 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 don't. You have to promise. Well, we won't give him no. a hard time. No, no, no. No, you know, not you know, a hard time. You know, you know what absolves him is that he was a true net fan. He knew a lot about it, the organization. It was real. It was uh, real. His, was his real emotion... Fandom. Was real. This right. was not, oh, our train has stopped and I got to kill time. And this was, what, three three years ago, maybe? The year they won it. The year they won it. So, so okay. 16. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Three years ago. That's a really in- interesting experience, having that kind of conversation with an NBA player in that setting. I'm sorry you didn't get to get home on time. Well, so <laughs> but, two things yeah. happen, just to wrap it up. Oh, yeah. Eventually, they pull a train up to get the Cavaliers off the train. Wait, 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 wait. They pull a train up. They put the a little bridge. Up. Now, did you get off the train onto the bridge? I attempted to get off the and they train. Were like, they were like, no. They're like, <laughs> only basketball player. Oh. I, like, oh, I mean, man. close enough. I thought, I mean, right? You, you would have thought I, Kyrie would have brought you with him. I'm hanging with RJ. I'm hanging with Kyrie. <laughs> right. Uh, Chris Anderson was sitting across from me. And, 
he turned to me. He was like, tough break, buddy. I go, yeah, wow. tough Man. break. Man, so you were left on the train. And then Amtrak obviously got on our train, and yep. I asked somebody from Amtrak, I said, hey, what, what happened here? He said, oh, we had a jumper. Somebody jumped in front of the train. Man. I said, does that happen often? He said, during holiday time, you'd be surprised how wow. often it happened. So it was Thanksgiving weekend, oh. and that's huh. some real stuff. Wow. Yeah. That's real. Wow. But you got home You got home safe, and that's what I got home. I, I, I got home at like 10, though. That was not the way it was drawn up that in the original long, brochure. That was a long day. It was a long day. I'd be annoyed day. Monday morning for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that story. That, right. was, that <laughs> was a good story. Um, but for, for the people who don't know uh, about your career and how you got into the broadcasting game, uh, how, how did you get into this broadcasting game? How did things start for you? I, I had an interest in this from a very young age. I was eight when I had an idea of what I wanted to do. My parents were entertainers. My dad was a stand-up comedian. My mother was a singer. Both were actors, actresses. Mm. And I went to them at the age of eight and said, I want to be a sports broadcaster. And they both said, well, that's what you'll do. There was no moment of trepidation. There wasn't that moment of questioning they were so resolute in their reaction that it really empowered me. Yeah. I, at the age of eight, decided, oh, my parents said I can do this. I will do this. My father then said, here's the only issue, Ian. He said, you have to get rid of your lisp. I said, my, my what? My lisp? <laughs> he said, yeah, <laughs> your lisp. And... I didn't even realize I had a lisp, to be right. perfectly honest. So he had, both of them had uh, tape recorders and small microphones to work through their stuff. Okay. And for two weeks, I just recorded myself over and over again, reading, and I did it all by myself. Two weeks later, that was it. No lisp. And then I figured I had nothing holding me back. I had no hurdles. And... I, I think it was naivete more than anything else and a little bit of ignorance, but blind faith that I could do this job. I did nothing about it. I didn't have a high school radio station. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. I had none of that. Did you Did you maybe at home watch games on mute and just, I did. just call them? Yeah, that, that I did. I, okay. I was tremendous in the shower. Like a <laughs> tremendous play-by-play man. Great acoustics. <laughs> I don't want to talk about what was going on in there, but I had it covered. I had it locked down. And I went to college. I went to Syracuse with the idea that this is what I would do. Right. And I got involved right away. You know, worked my way through freshman year of partying and having a good social life and really got serious about it sophomore year. Interned at WFAN Radio between my junior and senior year. Made a good impression. Mm. They called me my senior year to see if I was interested in interviewing for a producer job, even though I wanted to be on the air. I thought to myself... And I had some on-air opportunities, one in West Virginia, one in Buffalo. Hmm. I thought to myself, well, I am from New York. That's where I want to work. Right. I'll get to the venue, and then I'll figure it out. And they said definitively to me, mm -hmm. do not take this job if you want to be on the air. You're not going to be on the air here. It doesn't happen. I said, no problem. I took it anyway. And within a year and a half, I was on the air. <laughs> 
It's the reason you can't listen to everything that everybody right. says. But you know what's <laughs> funny? true. We had, uh, I forgot, Michelle Yu, another good friend of mine I yeah. speak to all the time. She always talked about the pressure. We talk about this, about being from New York, but still succeeding in, in journalism sure. and broadcasting. You had that pressure there, right? Because it's, it's always said, go to a smaller market, build yourself up. Yep. Then you could come back. And yeah. you, said, you said no to that. What empowered you to say, no, you know what? I'm going to stick here and make it work. I really do believe... I wasn't operating with all the information at that point. I was going off instinct, and my instinct told me, you get me into the environment, and I'll figure it out. Yep. I'll navigate it. Yep. And that's also based on so many other things, not just your on-air work, which has to be very good, but how you handle relationships, mm. Yes. taking on additional responsibility, saying yes to everything, and that was my mentality. At one point, I was working seven days a week at FAN. I never complained once. I wasn't that guy that would show up Monday talking about all the grief I had to go through on Saturday and Sunday from midnight to 6 a.m. And that's a mentality. It truly is. And it's hard for some people to understand that. But it requires an immense amount of positivity and it also requires you to see the big picture and to be able to visualize where you see yourself and making it happen, almost manifesting it to the point where it does. So that that really played a large role. And the idea that I did not turn down a thing, it, it was not even in my vocabulary. If it was offered, I did it. Brooklyn Nets fans know the best place to get unique gear to rep their team is Flatbush and Atlantic. No, not the corner where the Barclays Center stands, but the online store that brings Nets fans the latest styles in tees and hats that you won't find anywhere else. Right now, Flatbush and Atlantic is offering 20% off all merchandise to listeners of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Just visit FlatbushandAtlantic.com today and use the promo code A-H-T-T to get your discount. The promo code is eligible for customers through July 2019. Flatbush and Atlantic, made for Nets fans by Nets fans. When did that change? Because I do think that over time, yeah, you like, you got Sometimes a, you got to say no. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, we was, were talking about this recently. I think. I think. The saying yes to everything thing is important early. It is. But then later on, you have to realize that you're at a certain level. No doubt. Where, you know, you have to say no to certain things. Yeah. And I would say a little deeper into my career where I built up enough equity yeah. to say no. There were years where I probably should have said no and I was still saying yes. Right. So the crossover period went longer than it should have. And maybe now... I'm saying no more often yeah. because I can. The last three years, I would say, more than any period in my career, I've said no. Turning things down in the summer, realizing I have to balance things out. Even coming here, to be honest with you, yeah. normally uh, in the summer now, I've I've tried to go like full Tom Hanks mode yeah. in Castaway. <laughs> I, like, right. bro, I shaved today for you guys. I mean, let's <laughs> let's deal with the reality. We, we, we appreciate that. Yeah. you do. Have your camera you do yeah, <laughs> like I'm looking okay for a, for what normally would be mid July. I wouldn't normally look like this. So right. uh, the reality is, uh, I I do think it's a conscious thing, 
And also, mm-hmm. uh, there is something, and I think you're alluding to this, Brian, there's something about your worth as well. When you say yes to everything, then you can be taken for granted yeah, sure. at some point. So that's a very fine line in your career where it's an automatic before they even get the words out. You're yes. saying yes. Well, mm-hmm. they just, now they check you in. Right, right, you're, right. You're filled out already. You say, well, whoa, whoa, I, I didn't say yes to that. It's like, oh, yeah, but I figured you would have. Mm. So that's where you get into a gray area. And I did find that at, at FAN I was and say, some you, other jobs. Did you have sort of maybe, I don't know how specific you want to get in terms of those experiences, yeah. but do you have maybe a couple of examples of that that you've learned from? Yeah, I, I think at FAN in particular, which was the place that I learned how to do this. Yeah. You know, let's be perfectly frank. It ended up being grad school for me. And even behind the scenes, even though I had aspirations to being on the air, being behind the scenes with Howie Rose and Mike and the Mad Dog and Dave Sims and Ed Coleman and Steve Summers and Imus, I learned a lot by osmosis. Mm. But there was definitely a stretch where uh, they were working me to the bone. And somewhere along the line, I, I did have to start saying no. Right. Because... It was at all hours. Mm-hmm. It was consecutive days. There, there was a. I remember a summer where I think I worked twenty-seven consecutive days. I've been there. Yeah, <laughs> one of those yeah. where, and, and I was married at the time. So, Ooh. and I'm still married now. Same person. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, she, didn't, she didn't leave you for all. Yeah, my <laughs> wife, my wife, who is Elisa, who's about as understanding a person as you could possibly have in this situation. Mm-hmm. I think even she said, "Hey." Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta take a day off, right, just right. for your own mental well-being. So I, I do remember a period where it did happen. Right, you, you were able to say no, so that's good. What one thing about you is you have a tremendous voice, and you talked about how you worked at your voice even at a young age, trying to get yeah. rid of the list. When did you know, or was there somebody who said to you, "Hey, man, you've got a really good voice. Like <laughs> you can really do this." <laughs> it's funny. I, I had very long hair as a kid, and my dad would bring me with him to a show. So I would watch his stand-up act hundreds and hundreds of times. And then the next day, we would stay over and we would have breakfast at the hotel he was working. It was the Catskills. So the hotels were the Concord, Fallsview, Cutchers, Neville, uh-huh. the Browns, Stevensville, mm-hmm. on and on and on. So many of these hotels. And it was a huge part of my youth. So I remember vividly, I'd grown my hair out and... We were sitting down, and someone who had seen his show the night before was at breakfast and said, Jack, great show last night. He said, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. He said, oh, I see you brought your daughter with you. I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, that's wow. that's harsh. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought it was a setup. Yeah. <laughs> and I said to the guy, I was like, excuse me? Oh, you thought? <laughs> yeah. And I was, you know, eight or nine years old. He's like, oh. <laughs> so the, like, the man realized that yeah, it wasn't like, wasn't a female, <laughs> and I also realized, oh wow, the power of your voice that mm. can change someone's perception very quickly. Huh. So I did get a haircut. I mean, I, that, that did resonate with me enough. I was gonna say, did that stick with you? To oh, the it point did. Where obviously, you never had day. the long hair again. Uh no, I pushed it here and there, but never to the point where it, it looked uh, like. 
a female. Right? <laughs> okay. I would mistaken. style it in a way. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. This I, was, you got to remember, this is 70s into 80s. That, right. The, the big hair. The big hair both, worked. For both genders were. No uh, doubt about yeah, it. Now, I've had this like broadcast cut for a long time. <laughs> broadcast cut. I had a center, center part early in high school and then early into college and Somewhere along the way, I can't I, even see that. I made the move. Yeah, I had a Ralph Macchio thing okay, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh no, I have photos. I, I can easily show you the photos. You say, oh, okay, now that <laughs> we'll, ta- we'll take that makes sense. We, you have, take we have to now. <laughs> <laughs> We're in too deep. And then I I went like side part, and then I it's just remained this way. It's yeah. I like come out of the shower and poof. It's like yeah, people think I came out of the womb. <laughs> like this. With like the side it's cut, another, the it's broadcast a, it's a, cut. The broadcast cut is yeah. a great look. It's a great look for you. Although I, there has been speculation on the internet that it could be a toupee. No, you're not. You're not, not that. You're not that broadcast. <laughs> oh no! Did, did you see the toupee story recently of the dude smuggling over thirty thousand dollars worth of cocaine in his toupee? Mm. I have. I did not. You're piquing my interest. This could be a whole <laughs> side right, business for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a New York Post story, oh. and the lead sentence was he had hell toupee. And it was uh, it was really funny. Uh, <laughs> very typical of my former employers. So I, can't, I, can't, I can't I can't be shocked there. Um, right. So once you did the uh, you did the th- your thing at WFAN. Yeah. And you did that for a while. Then obviously you started getting to doing some play by play with teams. What what was that like? And who'd you start with? What what team did you first get your feet with? Yeah. The original connection. The Jets signed on with FAN Radio. So this is yes. 1993. Okay, I remember. Well, that's, that was not a good time. Not <laughs> not a great time. Turn for the Jets. Bruce Coslet time. And, yeah. Oh man. And they, like right when I became a Jet fan. So yeah. So. They made me the the pre and post game host. And that was a huge huge move in my career because it it connected me with a team and it gave me an identity at the station that I lacked at that point. And I found that people treated me different, even on the air. Uh, there was more of a focus in what I was doing and the reaction I was getting from the fans was a bit more pointed towards the Jets. Right. And it did strike me that this could be a path of some sort. So the next year, 1994, I read in a New York Post column, we're talking about the Post, Phil Mushnick, who still writes the the sports media column, wrote that Howard David, the voice of the Nets, radio voice, was not going to be returning. This was the 94-95 season. Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, and I had had a dream, this is crazy, but I had had a dream two weeks earlier that I was doing a net game and my father was in attendance. My father did not really go to sporting events. And it was an odd dream, very out of left field. And I had told my wife that I had this dream, and she said, that's weird. Then I see this thing in a column, and I said to myself, i I got to look into this. I didn't know anybody with the Nets. I called around. Uh, Russ Salzberg was working at FAN at that point. Yep. He was at Channel 9 and yep. had a fairly close relationship with the Nets. Gentleman by the name of Don Sperling was working at well, NBA I, I Entertainment. Know, I know very well from when I worked at the Giants. There you so go. Don is a great guy. Don is yep. at the New York Giants now. Yep. And I called the two of them and said, hey, do you have any mode, any conduit? They said, yeah, give me a day. They both got back to me and said, call this person. And it was Amy Shear, director of broadcasting for the Nets, called her. She said, why don't you come to the office, drop off a tape? It's great. All right. Drive to Jersey. I know nothing about Jersey. 
I'm living on the Upper East Side of this okay, place. Right. I don't know about jug handles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the turnpike. turnpike. I don't know about the parkway. I know nothing. So you were out. You were going out to Rutherford. That's yes. Right. Okay. This is 1994. There's yeah, no GPS. Right. There's no MapQuest. Yep. It's all did it instincts. Then. So yeah. I go out there. I make the wrong turn seven times. I end <laughs> up in the wrong spot. Which can happen. It, Especially right there around East Rutherford area. Certainly yeah, could happen yeah. in East Rutherford. Yeah. I finally get to the office. I go. I meet Amy Shear. I hand her the tape. We have maybe a 10-minute conversation. She said, all right, I'll get back to you. The next day she calls me. She said, we liked what we heard. It was my college tape. There was a wow. Seton Hall Syracuse game at the Meadowlands. I thought... All right, maybe there's some good karma there. And a gentleman by the name of Ollie Taylor was on the Pirates. He hit a game winner against Syracuse. Okay. I thought, all right, maybe there's just some, some good mojo. It yeah. happened in the arena that the Nets play. She said, uh, we like the tape. My boss wants to hear more. Hmm? Can you give me something more recent? I said, yeah, absolutely. I hang up the phone. I have nothing more recent. That's, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> There's no more recent stuff. <laughs> that. Well, outside of you, I guess, well, that was your pre and post stuff you were doing for the Jets. We had no I had no other play-by-play play play stuff. Nothing. All right, so how did you work your way out of this? I called yeah, a yeah. friend of mine that worked at NBA Entertainment. I had done a little voiceover work at the NBA. That's how I had met Don Sperling and a few other guys. Mm. I called a guy by the name of Rich Koppelnick and Steve Herbst, two okay. guys. They said, you could come in. Go into a studio, we'll put a net game on television, and you'll just call it off the monitor. Yeah. I said, can you add ambient noise, like crowd noise? I said, yeah, we can do that. Okay, yeah. Bet. I'm in. Right. I go back. I don't, again, no Jersey that well, but I get back to you the Secaucus area. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they put me in a booth. I call the game. Nets, Knicks from the postseason previous year. Mm -hmm. Kenny Anderson had gotten injured, broken his wrist. Mm. He and John Starks. There was a push from Starks, so Ramil Robinson I remember, I stepped really in. Young, I remember that series. Stepped in for Kenny. Nick swept. And it might have been three one. Three one. Okay. Three one. It ended up being Chuck Daly's last, last series, year. last yes. games game. as Nets mm -hmm. head coach. Mm. I call a half of that. I drive right to the Nets office. Mm. I hand Amy Shear that tape. And away we go. She calls me the next day. She says, our team president wants to meet with you. Wow. John Spolstra, Eric Spolstra's dad. Yeah. I sit down with John, and I feel a connection of some sort. I just felt a good vibe. He was getting my sense of humor early. He was an out-of-the-box thinker. I had asked Amy, how many people are in the running here? She said, it's down to you and one other guy. This has all happened within four days. That's crazy. Of me Who reading was? the Phil Mushnick item. Right. Who's the other guy? Other guy was uh, a guy by the name of Bill Roberts, who oh, okay. was a broadcaster in the CBA. Okay. And he had gone to Syracuse. Oh, so I no. did know the guy. He had oh. done a graduate year at Syracuse. So I said, away we go. Let's see what happens. Yeah, made the best man win. Yeah, I yeah. met with John Spolstra. I made one very bold statement that, again, might have been – a little bit of naivete on my part, but I sat down in his office, and just as we were wrapping up, and I really felt good about the meeting that we had had, I said to him, I said, look, uh, John, I, I really believe I'm going to be successful in this business, and if I get this job, you will always be the person that gave me my first huge break. And he turned his head, hmm. and he smiled, 
And he nodded, and he stood up, and he shook my hand, and that was how we ended it. And I, I walked I, out. I like that ending. Yeah, <laughs> good I, ending. But I'm, yeah. I, I'm someone who likes the bold and the confidence in that. Yeah. Like, I like right. that you said that, but I feel like you telling me the story now, you can tell that even look, you thinking back about it, yeah. you really believed it. I did believe yeah. it. Yeah. I, I, well, I, wasn't, I wasn't BSing. Yeah, and you have I to, really right? believed it. Yeah. I, think, I think he smiled because he also knew that and you he, believed I it. Think I think it he hit. felt that, yeah. too. Like it connected. Yeah. And I wouldn't have said it. Unless I felt good about what preceded it. Right. I just had a good vibe. Yeah, yeah. So to go in with that idea and just flippantly say it, it could lose you a job could. as well. It easily could come across as cocky or overconfident or sure. yeah. where's this guy coming from? I just felt that it was appropriate. And then we went on vacation. It was our one-year anniversary we went to San Francisco, went to the wine country, Sonoma, nice. Napa, great trip. Yep. And this is pre-cell phone. I call into my answering machine at home, <laughs> oh. and there's a message from Amy Shear to call her from the Nets. Now, how nervous were you when you when you heard when you heard this? Because you're away and you got to call in. How nervous are you? Yeah, you shockingly, I it, I was not that nervous. I just I had yeah, this good feeling. Yeah, good I just had it. this good feeling about yeah. it, and I called her with confidence. And she told me I I got the job and I got hammered that night. <laughs> like we're in we're in wine country. I mean, as, yeah. as you and your wife should have. As, <laughs> yeah. as you guys should have. Yeah. That's a that's that's a fantastic story. Yeah. And uh twenty five years later, you are still with the you know, calling games for the yeah. not for the organization, but for the Yes Network, yeah. which is attached to the organization. But yeah, yeah, that's a great story, man. Yeah. It's empowering. I feel like for a lot of people. When is your twenty five year anniversary? It just happened. It oh. just happened? Yeah, it just happened. Oh, nice. wow. Yeah, we were right right around that time. I was wondering, is it like today or something? <laughs> yeah. So you're right around that time. All right, well, yes. Oh, oh, when did I get the call? It would be a month prior to this. So it was June. So, June. Oh, so this is literally your 25th year. June. Into- yeah. Well, I've, I've now accumulated 25 seasons. Yeah. Right. So you got to remember with uh, NBA, right, you're right. going seasons Season. as opposed to years. years. So it's been 25 it's seasons. It's crazy because I'm listening to this story and it, times are just so different now. Oh yeah, like I'm just. It wouldn't happen. I. It, it, it couldn't happen like that. You don't that. think so? No. No. Why not? Yeah. That's, yeah. Why well, first of all, learning about something like this in a newspaper column probably does not happen mm, anymore. Good point. Sure. You, the word gets out early. The newspaper columns are online now. Newspaper columns are online, there's message boards, there's groups that you are part of Mm -hmm. that the word just filters out. And the fact that it was as quiet as it was, now, they were deep in the process. I didn't know that. Yeah. Basically, Amy, when I met with her, said, hey, we're far along here, so I can't assure you anything. Hmm. And all I wanted, I said, hey, just... You know, just listen to the tape. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to meet again. Yeah. So things did work out. I don't know if it could happen that way anymore. And there would be more people yeah, applying more people than ever before. before. Uh, this was 25 that. years ago. But right. e- even things like, you know, everybody would have GPS to get to Jersey. <laughs> you wouldn't have to call into your answer. Calling into answering right. machines. Good point. Just, Good point. Yeah. All of that. The whole... Well, that's why the story's great. Right. You, yeah. Yeah. The whole that, domino effect right. doesn't happen And you way. gave all that context of the early 90s and what you had to do to get Man, it. Man, it was different. It was different. Simpler. A simpler, simpler time. Simpler time. But even simpler, the yeah. reaching out to Don Sperling and being able to use that connection and then be able to use the... The offices in Secaucus and doing that. Yeah, I still think what matters today in that story that I took out of it is the connections you make and relationships. You There's make. no yeah. doubt about it. And right? you remember everybody's name. 
also. Yeah. Guys, is not always the case, if, right? if, if I don't know those two people at that time, Don Sperling and Russ Salzberg, yeah. I don't think I even get a foot in the door. It, it was necessary hmm. for this to happen that someone vouched for me. And that's also being a good guy. I mean, what's the moral right. of the story? Don't be a douchebag. Right. You know, like, truly. You, I, but you know what? That, that. that is also, but that is probably the main thing that's still important today. Because no of, of everything in the story, like, yes, the answering machine and all that stuff, that probably wouldn't happen today because times are just I different. I hope not. But, <laughs> right. Well, but the things that are important is, like you said, don't be a douchebag. Yeah. Uh, be a good dude. Just make the good connections. Like, all those yeah. things still carry weight 25 years later. Maybe more so now. M- yeah. Only because of the computer and the mm. phone. Look, we're at a time, not just in this business, in this world, where everybody is accessible. Sure. You want to get a message to somebody, you can get a message. Yeah. But how that message is delivered, that is where things get done. So can you look someone in the eye? Can you connect with a human being yes. on that level? Not a funny text, <laughs> not a quick tweet, not an email. When you get FaceTime, when you actually are in, <laughs> are in the presence of another human, yeah. right. can you find some connection that leads to the next step in a relationship? And that's been a lost art in many, many ways, unfortunately. I, mm. I, I agree. I agree completely. The third season of the original sports web series, The Sports Walk, is underway. The YouTube hit is giving away a $50 Amazon gift card to one lucky viewer of the show or a listener of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Who knows? It could be you. All you have to do is enter the gift card giveaway contest. Look, it's easy, and there are multiple ways to enter, including subscribing to the Sports Walk YouTube channel, liking the show on Facebook, or following on Twitter or Instagram. For more information, Visit the giveaway link in the description info for this episode. Good luck as the contest ends August 15th, 2019. Good talking about the career. Let's talk a little Nets. I'm ready. Because uh, it's, it's funny like, what's happened with me. So I've been doing this 25 years. Yeah, but it's great for the people to hear that. Man, I'm, oh man. Like now, since all this news, yes. I walk into a pizza place like Mr. Eagle. You want meatball on your pizza today? Like, <laughs> things are changing in my life. Like, people, you want lemon for that tap water? I do. Like, like they want to hook me up how, out of how, nowhere. How is that? I always, I always feel like I've, we've talked to some other people about that. Like, how is that change of, like, being recognizable in a way that you were not 25 I'm just ago? saying, since they signed Kyrie and Kevin oh, Durant, like, oh, I'm not even talking about doing the game. Okay. Like, a month ago, I wasn't getting any meatball on my pizza. <laughs> I wasn't getting a lemon in my water. Now, all of a sudden, people are interested. Uh, yeah. It's all because of that train ride. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's different. The, uh, Brian could could speak to this because he's around the team so much. And, yep. you know, obviously, Derek, you had been around the team for, yep. for such a long period of time. Yep. There's a very different feeling yeah. right now. Uh-huh. Very different. Yeah. Well, let's, well let's, let's talk about this because you of all people are the best person to talk about this because you went with the team from East Rutherford I did. to Newark. And he signed Kyrie Irving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's not leave that out. Yeah. Uh, it's part of the resume. We, can't, right. we yeah. cannot leave that out. <laughs> to Brooklyn. Yeah. Let's go back to you're talking about the time different because in 2012 uh, 2013 when he started in Brooklyn um, 
there was an interesting vibe around the team then, and I was covering them a lot. Yeah. And there was a great excitement in them coming to Brooklyn that I felt from the Nets fans. But you're saying this is different. What do you see in the difference between 2012-2013 and now here in 2019 after these signings of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? I think that first year there was curiosity. Hmm, I think yeah. people in Brooklyn, they wanted to sample, but they didn't know what they were walking into. You had yeah. a bunch of Nick fans that were from Brooklyn, so they were torn part of them, the pride of Brooklyn. That way there was this yeah, guy. There you go. So that you had you had like one side on one shoulder telling them, "Hey, you got to you got to support the team." You had on the other shoulder telling them, "Hey, you're a Nick fan. Yeah. You can't do this." Yeah. So you had this this real confusion as to what direction you should go in. So I do think curiosity was the main emotion. I think that's a good word for it. Yeah. I think it was like it. cautious expectations. Yeah. Uh, of like, what is it? Yeah. How's it going to be? We'll see how it goes. Am I into this? Yeah. So that first year, uh, there's no doubt there were a lot of people in the stands that had facial hair and hard rim glasses. And the Brooklyn thing was yeah. happening. Yes. Like you felt that, all right, people are going to take it in and see what it's all about. I don't think it took hold. I don't think in that moment a, a team was born. Mm. It was a feeling out process. Agreed. What I felt last year was much more organic. Oh, yeah. A love and an admiration for the team itself, not what's on the jersey. Right. The team. Yeah. Mm. And that's when the two worlds finally met and now the payoff that all these things they were doing for three years teams use buzzwords culture culture big yes. one that's a big that's one, a big one. That's when you're yeah. not winning that's the go-to yeah right <laughs> yes we're, we're building a culture yes. okay well you have to show some results mm-hmm. and last year the results were there and now there was a belief the other part too what what Sean Marks did and his whole staff, which was brilliant, I don't know if it can be duplicated. Other teams might want to try to replicate it. But what I saw, they built a trust and a relationship with agents that had not been done before. Mm. And what I mean by that is, how do you get to the players? You can't just pick up the phone and call a big-name player and say, by the way, we're changing our culture. It's getting better. <laughs> they go, okay, oh I God. play for another team. I don't care. <laughs> so what is your conduit to the player? Agents. Agents have players' ears. And I think they were masterful in developing those relationships, convincing agents that things were really changing. And maybe some of their lower-level clients were experiencing it. A guy that was not considered a grade A free agent but got a contract with the Nets or someone they acquired through a, a trade. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, it's family. Their family is welcome. They need their family to go on a trip. No problem. We've got seats for you there. Their wife gets a bouquet at their apartment on her birthday. Yep. Their kids have a place to go during the game at practice. Yep. These are all things players have talked about. 100 percent and that stuff really matters in terms yeah of like well because, i think right. we've learned it does, learned it does. Yeah. Right. yeah yeah because maybe right. i think there were times where people thought okay what does this really mean unless you're winning what does it mean well right. it, it's a building block right yeah mm-hmm. and it's an indicator so when kevin duran is quoted as saying i like what you're doing over there i like your style of play and he walks in and meets with people from the team and there's this this unanimous 
good feeling about it. Look, you can't predict chemistry, mm-hmm. and we've seen plenty of teams through the years where it just it didn't fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Boston last year. Yeah, it just didn't fit yeah. for whatever reason. Last year's Nets team, that was organic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that yes. was not artificial. They weren't doing stuff on the sideline, on the bench, because they thought it was cute. They did it because it galvanized the team. It felt, they felt it. Yes, yeah. and when D'Angelo Russell got benched in a fourth quarter, which happened – more often than people may realize in the first half of the season oh, last yeah. year, mm-hmm. he didn't sulk. He was still standing up, cheering on He was Dinwiddie standing up. He was. he was cheering on Spencer Dinwiddie. Yep. And whatever message Kenny was sending to him was dealt with behind the scenes, not in public, right? not right in front of everybody else. They it sure didn't tell with. us. No, <laughs> they, they sure didn't. didn't tell us. They didn't. And, by the way, probably the right way to handle it. Absolutely. As much as we wanted answers. No, but I agree. I think they, they, they go about everything the right, the right way, yeah. and winning was probably the thing that really pushed it over the top. Like, I think so. If and they don't get into the playoffs last year, I don't think they get these free agents. I would agree, and I know that for years in the NBA, you would just clear space out, and you thought, yeah. hey, we've got the cap space. That's enough. Right. Guys will come because that's, that's enough that's now. What the Knicks it's not tried. enough. That's what the Knicks just tried. It's and not I, enough anymore. Yeah, I think enough. what it is is like other teams want to see them win. I think this is why the Clippers also, by the way, yeah. get – Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They make it to the playoffs being a 48-win team after trading their best player, still having Lou Williams and Pat Beverly. So if I'm a star player, I want to attach myself to that. There's no doubt. And they have Doc Rivers, who has a good reputation. Then here in Brooklyn, Kenny Atkinson has a good reputation. So so when I think of this and think of what you just said about that and the changing of, I hate the word culture, but they did in a different way that people may not realize what you were saying. Um, Were you surprised when you heard the day came down that Durant and Kyrie were coming? Or or do you look at it and say, hey, I kind of saw all of this happening. This was organic. Maybe this is what we should have expected. Yeah, I think when something that monumental happens, of course, in the moment, it hits you like, oh, wow, this is, this is real. Yeah. This is happening. Yeah. This is real life. But when you go back over it in your head, there is this realization that they did all of the necessary steps to get there. Yeah. And yeah, they swung for the fences. There's no doubt about it. Yep. But they laid the groundwork every step of the way. So even, you know, the Allen Crab trade and Torian Prince, who has a connection with Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. and DeAndre Jordan making sure that he's going to be taken care of because they're putting him in a situation that he's going to play with his very close friend. Right. And they're creating this team that Kevin Durant now feels comfortable stepping into. It was strategic. It was not by happenstance. They didn't stumble into this. I think there have been times where teams have stumbled into this. Right. Where they didn't even know what was happening. The Nets knew what was happening. They just didn't know if it was actually going to hit. It hit. I mean, they, they went jackpot city. And I think, and I think, making Kevin Durant feel comfortable was important because yeah. of that injury. Yeah. Because there, there are still some theories out there that he would have gone to the Knicks had he not gotten hurt. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if we'll ever know. By the way, yeah, yeah. No, I don't no, know. We'll if never we'll ever know. We can all theor- We can all theorize. I don't yeah. see what the upside in him ever telling us is. No. So no, there isn't any. <laughs> also, does it matter? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really doesn't. Yeah, right. I think what what we found. Look, what, what I've noticed just trying to read the tea leaves. Uh, there's a faction of Nick fans, probably older Nick fans, who have just surrendered. Mm. They've just given up. They've said, this isn't mm. working, 
And I'm not going to blame anybody else other than what's happening in our own house. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to blame the Nets. I'm not going to uh, blame other teams. It's just our stuff. That's probably an older Nick fan. There's a younger Nick fan who's never experienced winning, by the way. That's and yeah. that's part of it. Yep. So that frustration level is growing each year. The fact that they lost out on big-name free agents, that's one thing. The fact that it was the Nets, is another thing. that really yeah. hit. I see, I see what you're doing. That hit yeah. at the scar, yeah. and that yeah. was digging away at it. Yep. And I think that reaction has been very visceral because now that particular fan is stupefied. They mm-hmm. don't know what happened. It's like they just got in the ring and got knocked out and didn't see it coming. Yeah, and that see, fan may remember the Jason Kidd era Nets. Yeah. May, which may. That means that means in their lifetime, if they're around my age, and thank God I don't have an NBA team, but if they're around, <laughs> if they're around my age, then the Nets have been better than the Knicks basically their entire life. Yeah, and yeah. and 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 that's an interesting shift in that, and I think that you make a great point about the difference in the two kinds of yep. Knicks fans that there are out there with that, and to some degree, the Nets fans, a longtime Nets fan, yeah, is reveling in this. They are enjoying. I think the moment of I think it's just the fact that they got these guys, but also that the Knicks lost out. And to some degree, I understand that, but yeah. I do think it's more about the fact that we, as the Nets, did these things in a right way, as you alluded to before, and we got these guys here, and the future is bright. And with all of that said, I really, in my heart of hearts, don't believe that Sean Marks and the Nets brass did this with any other idea than to go and try to vie for a championship. Oh, yeah. The fact that the Knicks were interested, of course. Yeah. Yeah. There's a byproduct there. Right. But somewhere, I think Sean got this job and realized, I'm not competing with with them. them." Yeah. Yeah, maybe the business office is because, hey, for ticket prices are are high. Same city. We understand that. 20 minutes apart. I don't think so. So I I think there there was maybe some uh, misreading of the situation early from Nick fans of, hey, this is what the Nets were going to. No, they, no. They're not. Looking at it They're that way. Now, right. with that being said, we talked about this a little bit, but the most important thing here is that Kevin Durant is not playing for a whole season. So we still have to wait and see yeah, no how doubt. he's going to come back. But in the three years that he's here after that, if this team doesn't win a championship, is this considered a bust? Yeah, I understand the question. Right. There's so much that has to happen. Because the rest of the league... Getting you know, there, of course. There's still LeBron and The Anthony expectation Davis. level is now different. Yeah. It's different than than they've ever experienced, even with the kid years. I agree. Yeah. When they got to the finals that first year, that was, that was a huge surprise. It, the Eastern Conference was not lined up with Murderer's Row right. at that point. Yep. Uh, they took care of business. They beat Indiana. They... Beat the Detroit was it Pistons? No, I believe it was the Hornets in the second round, and then it was Boston. Boston, Boston, right? That's right, correct. Uh, Maybe the next year was Milwaukee in the second round. That is correct, or vice versa. But whatever, however, it worked out. They got to a stage that nobody ever expected. Mm -hmm. The next year they get back there, and you know what? They could play with San Antonio. And things could have gone a different way. They were up big in game six. Double-digit lead, and the bottom dropped out. They lost the game. They lose the series in six. If that goes seven, who knows? As we know, in any game seven, uh, you've got a puncher's chance. Right. But even with that, going to -to back-to-back finals, the expectations 
were not what they will eventually be. Mm. You have built this team mm -hmm. to go out and try to win a championship. So your point, Brian, is a legitimate one. I, I get it. I don't even know if we can go there yet until we see Kevin and see what the, does Karis Levert improve the way that we think. Does Kyrie mess with the group? Does the team start off yeah, slow? I think personally, things. and obviously uh, I'm coming at this from a certain angle, but yeah, I think he goes on a tear. Yeah, I think Kyrie goes on a tear Ooh, this year. I like this. Interesting. Now there might be load management. It might be in fifty-four <laughs> games. <laughs> okay. I now, do I you, think he's going to go. Well, off. He, but to this point, he kind of has to, right? Because I think for a number of reasons. Yeah. And the personal ones are self-explanatory. His right. reputation. Okay. See, that's what I was going to say. That's, what I, was getting okay. at, that's yeah. what I was getting at because we've talked about this before, where you know the whole Kyrie and Kemba thing was interesting to me yeah. because my whole mentality on it was. If Kemba Walker doesn't have any character issues, why would I not try to sign him? Not if I'm the Nets, but I'm saying any team in general. Mm -hmm. So they go out and get Kyrie Irving. Now Kyrie basically has to deliver because people had questions about how he exited Cleveland. People have questions about the relationship and how that sort of unfolded in mm -hmm. Boston. So if he doesn't deliver here, people are going to look at him even more and be like, "He's aware what's going on." Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind. I do, he's hyper aware. I think he's. I think he'll answer to that. I, I do. I do, I do as well. I, I expect a little bit of a slow start just because there's a lot of moving parts now. No doubt about it. I think it. that's definitely. But you, normal. you expect a strong season from him. From him? Yeah, I do. And you think he'll respond to the critics? Because I do. There's a lot yeah. of chatter out there. I do. On, on, he's yeah. a really exceptionally bright guy, uh, and I say that with the understanding that. He's well aware of mm -hmm. what's happening around him. Yeah. Uh, this is the prime of his career. He's 27 years old. Yeah. And he's making a very bold move. The yeah. first time he had a chance to pick where he wanted to go, he chose Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. With that comes a high scrutiny level. He's gifted. Yeah. Like we, I think, lost a little bit in all this is how gifted. A player he is. He might be the best ball handler I've ever seen. Yeah, and he Great and Kenny finish. Atkins. Kenny is, is a tremendous coach. I think he's a tremendous coach of point guards in particular. Mm. I think they're going to be kindred spirits. That's my gut feeling. That's good. Yeah. You have a good and, and around and this team is essentially built around him this season. It is. And I we talked about this. I think yeah. they could win something like forty eight games this year, and then just build on it from there. I don't think that's a a bold statement where right. someone's going to. <laughs> go at you, right? You make that statement. You can back up that statement. I yeah. think. Yeah. I think you can. Now, in terms of Durant, uh, I somebody saw me the other day. They recognized me from Nets Daily, and they said, "Hey, we. Uh, what do you think about Durant? How do you think he will be when he comes back?" And obviously, yeah. we talked. No, we don't. Know. No, we have no idea. I'm of the school that because of his height and his exceptional shooting ability, that I actually and I because I've torn my Achilles, so I know I play basketball. And I know that, but I think that I'm not Kevin Durant to say that, but. <laughs> I think that because really? he's such a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, people say he looks like Dwight Howard. Oh, God, so I get that. You get that? I do get that. Yeah. Yeah, I got that from a lot of Nets fans with Nets Daily, too. So How tall are you? I am 6'2 and a half. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, I mean. Not, we're not close. At that point. But Dwight I, Howard's a Hall of Famer. That's a compliment. <laughs> I'm going to just laugh. That's a good spin. That's a good. <laughs> that's he, a really, really good spin. <laughs> he will be in the Hall of Fame. He will be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, no, he he will. He will. I'm just thinking about how I have to accept that. That means 10 years ago, people were going up to you and and telling you that they'd rather have you over LeBron on their team. Wow. 
That was a real discussion yeah, in 2009 with LeBron or Dwight 2000. Howard. 2009 is actually the first time I'd heard somebody told me I looked yeah. like Dwight Howard. I actually remember when that happened. I mean, the, the nine-inch height difference doesn't no, <laughs> confirm it for people? I think it was just being black and then the face. And <laughs> that was enough? I, was, I guess that was enough. Right. Like, I, I've gotten uh, I've gotten John Oliver, and I've gotten... Oh, I can see that. I can see John oh, that's Oliver, That's a good though. one, yeah. though. And I've that. gotten uh, McLovin. So, <laughs> either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mick no, no. Okay, John you Oliver. Know, right. No, John Oliver. <laughs> but I like John Oliver, oh, so that's, yeah. that's a good one. But back yeah. to the Durant thing. I've gotten Cruz from Coach Carter. <laughs> I can see that. And David Fisdale, who I say. Yeah, I've gotten yeah. David Fisdale. Um, back to Durant. I, I see his game aging fine with the injury because of his height and his shooting ability, yeah. how elite of a shooter he is. I'm not as concerned about that with him. What do you say to that? Do you think he comes back and he's he's fine with this group? I think the main question is just going to be the explosiveness more than anything else. Sure. Kevin Durant is an explosive player. He has benefited, obviously, from his range and his ability to get a shot off over any defender yep. because of the reach, and he's just as accurate on a fadeaway. So you want to try to block his outside shot? Go to it. Good luck. Good luck, yeah. He's going to make you pay, and if you crowd him, he will get around you, and he will get to the rim. That's the part yes. that you get concerned over. That's yep. all. The reality is his perimeter game is so good that if if he didn't have that A-plus level explosiveness, he's still going to score in this league yeah, I agree. at a high level. Yep, I agree. It just might be in a different manner. Until we see him, until we see uh, – how comfortable he is and how much he can lean back on what was his bread and butter. It's really hard to make that statement. The amazing part, I had a bunch of his games when he was at Texas. For whatever reason that year, I ended up getting him a couple of times. I had him in the NCAA tournament. They lost to USC and Nick Young that year in the second round. And I was amazed by his ability and what I thought were very thin legs and ankles to cut to get to the rim and to not injure himself that's what struck me that one year like oh man this guy's gonna have to really beef up that hasn't changed much right right and he went a long time without having any kind of major injury so he could just be a physical anomaly that can bounce back from this kind of stuff i don't know we're gonna find out it's it's a Really intriguing question. Yeah. I think from the Nets standpoint, uh, they're going to wait it out and they're going to leave it to him. Which I think is the right move. Yeah. And that, that's what you that's, should do. I think that's where we're at also in the NBA. What what may have been a byproduct of what took place with Kevin Durant in the NBA Finals mm-hmm. is that you're not going to hear a lot of teams pushing their guys anymore. Certainly the ones that are making 20, 30, $40 million, and it's a commodity, they're not going to force the issue until that player is 100% comfortable. That's a slippery slope. It is. You're leaning on a player when all of your data and your medical information states you're good to go. And usually in the NBA that meant we need you to go. I think you're going to see a change there. The Sports Walk is back. Watch season three of Backpack Broadcasting's original web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans. The first two seasons and current season are available now for viewing on the Sports Walk YouTube channel and Facebook page. 
Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy. Just take the sports walk. Sounds to me that you are very excited for this net season. The oh, fans, really excited. The fans should be. Uh, anything new coming from the Yes Network broadcasting team from you, Sarah Well, Michael? the Ooh. way I would describe it, uh, Frank DeGrace, our producer, who is uh, the best, best in the NBA, he views it this way. We always approached it like it was a big game. We never hmm. felt like a broadcast team when that was – doing a 20-win season or a 12-win season, if we're going to go back oh, wow. a little yeah. bit. Yes. I went to a lot of those games. Yeah. My brother was a season ticket holder between 03 and wow. 2014. He paid for them? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was an exchange was, of <laughs> money? I mean, look. He just I, wants to know how dedicated he was. I, look, <laughs> he, he brought me to a lot of Nick and Neck games back right. in the day. So, All right, hey, it worked know, for you. I went. <laughs> yeah. so we our, went to our, a lot of those 12-win teams. Though. Our perspective has always been we're going to bring – Everything we got, no matter who the opponent is, no matter yeah. what night of the week, yep. no matter what time it is. No matter Donald Sloan is a starting point guard. It, truly. doesn't matter. <laughs> truly. In all, in all seriousness. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's been our approach. So I think in a way that prepared us for this. Nothing's going to change. It's not like all of a sudden we're going to snap our fingers and say we're going to be better than what we were. No, we're not. We're going to keep doing what we're doing and the team's going to be better, which is going to be enjoyable. Better for you guys. When they win, it's better. Of but, course. But to be perfectly honest, from all my years of doing this now, the 25 years with the Nets, I was working with Bill Raftery early mm, okay. early in my career, and it was probably the best thing to ever happen to me because huh. the team was not that good, but Bill was so entertaining and so locked in. And even though he was going cross-country, he was flying from – uh, North Carolina to the West Coast. He was doing a college game and then day of doing a net clipper game and then going, taking a red eye back to do a college game in the Big Ten. Damn. It taught me a lot. And the one thing I took away from it, you have to be entertaining if you want to do this job at a high level. So, yes, our job is to inform, first and foremost. Sure. The other part is to entertain. And for many years, the entertain part became the higher priority you had to entertain and then inform because the team was not all that entertaining entertaining yeah and you what, guys you guys have done a fantastic job of that just well, want to say that what did he tell great. what did he tell you about uh i guess the importance of maintaining that enthusiasm regardless of how the team is doing and how that sort of impacted you brian he never told me anything never he showed me okay i just sat next to him hmm. for all of those games he never said a word but i just realized when the mic was turned on when the red light went on yeah he could just bring it at a different level that i had not really known existed and it translated to me even during rough net years he would st- the keys it would <laughs> <laughs> i mean bill's great though yeah, oh he's great. the best right yeah. he's the best he's the best but every game and it didn't matter how many hours of sleep he was working on it it was irrelevant and it was such a, an important lesson uh, for me. And I really did carry it through when I ended up getting a job at CBS and working for other 
networks, I quickly realized like that's that's the only way to do it. If you're not bringing it mm-hmm. every game, then you're really doing an injustice to the people that are tuning in. I think I think anytime you're doing anything in this industry, that's how you have to operate. You can't you literally can't take even this podcast. We no, try, no matter who our guest is, no matter you're right. what we're talking about, we have to bring the same energy and enthusiasm. Well, the and time. the other way, and I, obviously I've been doing this a long time, you could easily, once you get to a certain number of years, assume mm-hmm. that the people know you. That, oh, fans know yeah. me. But you always have new people. Never coming. assume that. Never, yeah. Never. I assume the opposite. I assume when I'm on the air, there are people that have never heard of me. They don't know what an Iron Eagle is. They think it's a <laughs> movie from the 80s, 1986 Iron Eagle. Yeah, Iron Eagle. And then, which was a fine film with Louis Gossett and Jason Gedrick. I've actually seen that. Fine enough that they made Iron Eagle 2. Which I did. And then Iron Eagle 3, I straight to video. Oh, yeah, yeah. It that. just kept going. I didn't know that. Yeah, people oh, thought man. I should have named my son Iron Eagle 2. Like, that would have been the way to go. So I was, like, cruising along in life. I got the senior year of high school, and then Iron Eagle comes out. And then people are like, Iron uh, Eagle? Eagle? Years uh, ago, I, I was doing my first game for CBS, and it was a, a rehearsal game. Yeah. So I get hired in 1998, first NFL game. And we're doing Dallas at Jacksonville. I'm working with Mark May, who was... Huh. Yeah, one of the Universe, hogs, University, Washington Redskins, Pitt, yes, proud, proud Pitt product. Yep. And we go down on the field before the game. He says, hey, let's go down on the field. He's 6'5". Big guy. Big dude. Big guy. I'm not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we go down on the field, and Jerry Jones is walking by. Mm-hmm. And Jerry stops by. Mark waves. He waves him over. He says, Jerry, meet my new broadcast partner, Ian Eagle. And Jerry says, Iron? <laughs> I said, no, no, actually, it's... Uh, but I can picture him saying it just like that. I, know, I said, no, it, it's actually iron. He goes, iron. <laughs> I said, no, no. I said, no, uh, Mr. Jones, it's uh, iron. He said, iron. <laughs> I said, yeah, you're it's like, iron. <laughs> so you just, you live with you're, it. You're, it's all good. Your dad being a stand-up comic makes more more and more sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In terms of delivery. It just, yeah. it just makes more no, and more timing, sense right. as this continues. Now, yeah. what, what's, it, what's it like for you doing the net schedule, obviously, when the season comes and being the you know number one play-by-play guy and then also having to weave in the NFL games on the weekend and sometimes hopping on an Amtrak and oh, yeah, getting yeah, yeah. delayed and all that now, kind I of stuff? I do Thursdays as well. I do right. Thursdays on the radio. Yes, oh, that's right. And right, I'll still right. wear makeup. I just, I just like it. No, I was I wasn't gonna be mad at you. I'm like, you no, no, you're good. like, yeah, right. I was like, okay, look good, feel Yeah, good. I've I've grown used to it, right? But it's it's a juggle. Mm. You know, your your deepest fear is obviously calling a game and Brady back to throw, fires end zone, God by Dinwiddie. Like that's, <laughs> that's bad. That's you don't want that's happen. not good. Uh, that would be, so when your wires get crossed, yeah, which now, I've avoided for the most part. Now, how much of, I think what people who don't understand if they haven't done play by plays, there's a lot of preparation going yeah. into it. No matter oh, yeah. how long you've been doing Major. it, you've got to really prep. So yeah. you sometimes are prepping for three different well not, three different not well, one team for home. Yep. And you've got Two football teams maybe on a Sunday and another two on a Thursday yep. night. So you're prepping for a lot there yeah. while still looking ahead for what might be coming up on the Nets, et cetera. How do you juggle all yeah, that? Yeah, it's overwhelming. Uh, I'm yeah. not going to try to sugarcoat it. It right. can be very overwhelming. Uh, you cannot be a procrastinator <clears throat> in this job. Right. If you're the type that, ah, I'll be fine. I'll leave it to the last minute. You have to chip away mm-hmm. and you have to compartmentalize at a very high level. And you've got to be very productive in the time that you have free. So that means Monday morning, you're taking a look at what you've got 
and mm. you have to start right away. Mm. Get When that Sunday wraps up, Monday is really not time for review. It's time to go. Mm. And if I have two teams on a Thursday, two on a Sunday, and net games in between, uh, that requires a lot of foresight. And it means locking yourself in your office and, and just chopping away at it. The, the thing that I try to articulate to, to young broadcasters, yes, preparation is a huge part. Yep. Right. If you are not prepared, you will be exposed. Agreed. In this day and age, more than ever before. Agreed. Oh, cool. There may have been a time where you could get away with it. That's done. Not today. Yep. It's done. The not checks and balances are there 24-7. We live in a gotcha world. Yeah. They're, they're going to get you. Mm-hmm. Yep. But with that said, the performance also has to be there. So preparation, yes, that's understood. Performance is the other aspect of it. You could be well prepared. You could have every note laid out perfectly. If you don't perform well, all of that preparation means very little. If you perform really well and you don't have the preparation, at some point you will be exposed as well. You might be able to fake it here and there, but those two worlds have to meet. So don't forget about performance. When the red light goes on, that's your time. time. So if it's an NBA game for two and a half hours, you better be hyper-focused on what it is you have to do. If it's an NFL game, three hours, that's all that's happening in your life. Whatever else is going on is irrelevant. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that... Uh, the night before, you had thin walls at your hotel, and the guy next to you had sleep apnea. They don't care. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly. Been there. Seriously. As the sleep apnea guy or the other guy? A uh, different kind of guy. All right. I'll, I'll, right. t- I'll talk about that after. All right. Break. Another time. <laughs> I have an idea for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the point. And if, that, I, if that's going where I think it's going, we've all been there. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> if there's, I'm not sure it is. If there's like, traffic going yeah. to the stadium, nobody like cares. cares. Yeah. If your kid has got 101 feet, they don't care. Got to yeah. perform. Got to perform. Yeah. That, and that's probably, even from my folks, what I took away more than anything else. My, uh, my mom was a smoker. She, she passed away at a very young age, 43 years old, two mm. packs a day. Sorry. Mm. Yeah, terrible. Two packs a day, smoker, and a brilliant singer, mm. gifted, gifted singer. And there were days where she could not speak, and they had a show that night. And I would say to my father, I was young, eight, nine years old. I'd say, how is mom going to go on tonight? She can't make a sound. He said, uh, oh, no, she'll be fine. So how? Um, I want to know how. He said, she has an ability to sing above her chords. I'm eight. or nine. I just want a milkshake. I don't know what he's talking <laughs> about. I said, what? He said, You're not going to understand it now. One day, you'll understand it. And damn it, he was right. I really did understand it. There are days where I don't have a lot yep. necessarily in the tank. I've traveled. Yep. I've uh, moved around. I had a hotel room where the vent was directly onto the bed and bad stuff can happen. Yep. And I can summon something and I can do it in a way the performance part becomes a huge key in and, this equation. And I think still, it's still enjoying what you do. Has, well, that has to come out. That has to help. If you're not passionate... If you're not real, I think people sniff that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's also what I learned from Raf. He was his real self. That, that's oh. him. That's him. I, and I met him, too, in college. And 
Bill Raftery is how he is on air. He's always on. He's like that. He he's just that, that way. Yeah. He's a ball buster. Yes. He's yeah. he just, it's in him. This is who he is. And that was also a, a very important lesson. The line blurred for me. Because I think when I started, I was very young when I got the job. I was very interested in building credibility and making sure that people took me seriously. Sure, yeah. And I realized, like, year one, year two with Bill, you can loosen up. He was very loose, and I eventually got there. And then when I started working with other people, I would carry that with me. And, you know, I've worked with 138 different partners through the years. And I really do pride myself on making sure they're comfortable. Right. And they're put in a position to do well. Right. Not everybody has a great sense of humor. Not everybody is great at X's and O's. Not everybody is quick on their feet. It's your job to be malleable and to adjust and to highlight what they are good at. That's the job. And it's a team. We all got into this at some point because we love sports. Sure. Yeah. And we enjoyed being part of a team. Yeah. And with television more than anything else, it's a team. It's yes. collaborative. Mm-hmm. If the audio guy doesn't do his job well, your show will be affected. If yep. the graphics person doesn't do a good job, your show will suffer. If the director is not taking the right shots, that's right, your show will suffer. Will suffer. Oh, yeah. So it's really collaborative. Yeah, and like I said again, I'll t- you guys at the Yes Network, you, or the whole team, directing, Sarah, Mike, uh, who we all know, Thanks. do a fantastic job. We tell them that all the time. Nice. And, um, no, you guys continue to do a great job. Do you have a prediction for the Nets this year? Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. You're, you're not going to do the I don't know. I don't do the <laughs> prediction. If I had in the prediction, I'd go to Vegas. But <laughs> I learned a long time ago, I don't play that game. No, don't play that I work too hard for the money. Now, we have one. To hand right. it away. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you should not be handed One right. last thing before we let you get out of here. Brian wanted to, because Brian brought this to my attention that I was not aware of until a couple weeks ago. Hmm. I did not know that you were not on social media. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. oh, I was like, I was like, oh, I'm not on social yeah, media. Yeah, dinosaur. Um, no, no, man. You're, you're How do I dinosaur. function day to day? How do I get through it? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're doing it. Um, you're a lot more it, relaxed, I would say. Probably. Yeah. Do, do you? Do, was there ever a temptation for you to say, oh, maybe I should get on? No, no, no. I have multiple burner accounts. I know what's going on. <laughs> I'm aware. Like, honestly, and all you really, you really, oh, I do. Of course, oh, I do. Okay. I have oh. to know what's going on. Okay, that makes sense. That okay. makes sense. Yeah, that yeah, makes yeah, sense, yeah, yeah. Though, I mean, I'm on the air. Mr. Stuff's happening. Mister Eagle Five Three Six. Yeah, but <laughs> I also, I also want to say, <laughs> I also want to say that I think people think that if you're not on an invisible way, that you're somehow not connected. I'm glad yeah. you said that. No, I'm connected. You still are connected. Yeah, not not on Facebook. I don't have a fake account on that. But you don't need one. The Russians will get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's part of the reason. <laughs> Someone actually put my face on as the older app recently. Oh, like, oh. Th- I'm now exposed. I didn't, I didn't do it. I didn't do that. Yeah. I'm now exposed. That's it. I'm yeah. done. Uh, I'm done. I'm moving out. I shared an article about the other day. But I yeah. All the information. So anyway, yes. I, I do feel some connection to what's happening because I am aware. I'm not at a point and never have been at a point where I felt that it was important for me to be out front with it and it's based on a few things uh one of which look i am a good guy and if i get an email from someone if i get a text from someone i return it that's that's just being a good person yes do it right somebody took the time you take the time to to return it i don't leave any of those things unreturned i know if i was on twitter 
I would not be able to subscribe to that because there would be overwhelming questions or requests. And I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the person that isn't responding to someone who took time out of their day. If someone has the wherewithal to find me, more power to you. I'll get back to you. Right. But I can't be that available Mm. all the time. So that probably was the main reason. And the second part, look, people have said to me, like, you'd be great on Twitter. Well, thanks. What, what's that going to do for me? Being funny? on Proving that I'm funny on Twitter? What, how do I benefit in my life other than only downside? So sense of humor, as we know, is all in context. Yes. And to be a funny person or to be a humorous person... There are times where things happen in life that are out of context. Yeah. And people can be offended and yes, people can take it the true. wrong way. Yeah. I don't wanna I don't even want to put myself in, in that, that position. position. You know what? That is true though. There, I don't now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think there's an upside for you like starting a Twitter account as your actual self, no. not your burner self. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> I don't no, think there that, isn't. I don't think there'd there be enough. I've thought be- about this deeply, trust me. No, <laughs> I, I, can, I can see that you have, and that makes me think about just overall for certain people, and even certain things like what is the upside, or we should think about I'm not a more. self-promoter, so, I mean, let's get that right. out on the table. It's not important to me. I don't feel... Uh, jealousy. I don't feel any of those emotions. Right. If someone's getting good press, that's great. That's wonderful. Right. It doesn't affect don't, what yeah, you do. I don't, I've never approached that's life that way. Things, yeah. yeah, I truly have not. And, and not just in career, but life right. as well. Like, that's a much better way to view life. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I think, I hope that when people listen to this podcast, I think one of the things is, I, well, I've talked to you personally, Brian also yeah. as well, you can see your personality. People might not get on air in, in a way, and you are a funny guy. I think that comes from your parents being entertainers. I think yeah. that that's helped you a lot, too. And there are ways you can still get your personality. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, there are uh, the spots that you have to pick. There's a time and a place. So even on a game, or this podcast, obviously, but even during a game, based on your uh, back and forth with your partner, there are moments, as long as it doesn't get in the way of the game. I've always looked at it that way. This is not amateur hour at the Chuckle Hut. (laughs) You can be funny. You can toss a line out. It can be pop culture. But once you cross into it where you are now getting in the way, mm-hmm. that's not going to work. Shouldn't yeah. take away from no. the art of what Because then you're making it doing. about you. Yeah, man. which I never, honestly, yeah. I never, ever want it to be. If I come up with a saying or I come up with a, a wordplay, it's certainly not to gain attention. It's to hope, hopefully enhance the, the experience. Yes. Right. Strictly it's for the broadcast. That's it. Who yeah. who was the broadcasting guy that you looked up to? I was Marv growing was Marv, up. Marv yeah, I grew right. up in New York. Yeah, he so was doing the Knicks. Yep. He was doing the Rangers. He was doing the local news. He yep. was doing NFL football on NBC. He was doing boxing. He was doing everything. Yeah. And, you know, I thought he found that, that balance with being sarcastic yep. and having byplay with his partners. It was the first time that I had heard that, that you didn't have to go straight down the middle, that maybe you could come at it from a different angle. When I got to later high school into college, Bob Costas and, and his, yes. his whole skill set blew me away. Just yeah. how, how smooth he was, how articulate. Definitely. His level of knowledge at that time in pop culture impressed me. And just his way of always being able to weave 
in and out. And Al Michaels and Vern Lundquist, there have been a number All the of guys. Days. But yeah, those I'd say those four in particular really stuck with me in their particular style. And they're all very different. Yes. That's the interesting part. So when you do this job, when you become a play-by-play announcer, really, you're just doing a bad impression of someone that you watched because instinctually you don't really know what to do. Hmm. And then you... You work the edges, you polish, you form your own style. I think what happens in broadcasting initially, your first thought is, I just want to get on the air and have no one question it. I don't want anyone to watch or listen. It's like, whoa, what is this guy doing? He doesn't belong there. So you just want to blend in. Yeah. And after you get through that initial stage, it strikes you that you say, I don't want to sound like everybody else. I want to have my own voice, distinct sound yes. and voice and presentation. Mm-hmm. And you want to get to a point, hopefully, where someone tunes into a game and they know within seconds that, oh, yeah. That's Iron Eagle. Yeah, I know that's, that guy. Yeah, right. I know him. Yeah. I'm comfortable. I'm familiar. Well, that's you, that's what you aspire to. Well, you got to that point. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. You definitely got to that point. Uh, one thing we do before we get you out All of here. All right. We, every uh, episode, we have, this is episode 90. Mm. So we go through a list of players. And Brian, he comp- compiles this list. Yes, I do. And we pick a player for our artwork that will represent the number 90, some sports figure uh, that we that we would do. Who do so, we have for 89? Was it Steve Smith? Steve Smith. We Steve went Smith Senior. Steve Smith Senior, yes. All right, so 80. 90, we have some interesting names that I did not tell Dexter about. I never tell him about these names. <laughs> he doesn't. I like to be just surprised, so I, I don't know. You're not going to like this 90 list that much. But there are a couple really good ones. Uh, okay. Julius Peppers. Are we voting? Is it yes, we yes. have a vote. So vote. Have a okay, vote. all right. Peppers. We have Julius Peppers. We yep. have Neil Smith, Rob Burnett, mm-hmm. Darnell Dockett, mm-hmm. Drew, Drew Gordon. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. With the he wore the Magic and Cavs. Mm-hmm. And that would be Drew Gooden. Drew. I think I meant to write Drew Gooden. Yes. That's why I'm questioning. I think myself. Aaron Gordon's brother is Drew Gordon. By the way, really? Yes. Huh. Really? Played played college ball, oh, had a cup of wait, coffee wait, in the yeah, NBA. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. But you may have met Drew Gooden. Yeah, he's, he's, Gooden he's like though. he's like the Taylor Griffin of the brothers. There you yes. go. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jason Pierre Paul, Javon Curse, who I actually really liked when I was younger. So did I. And Dama Su and Jadavian Clowney. I, I might go with the freak. I might go Javon Curse. I might too. Yeah, I think it's a little throwback, but I, I think that we're all in, we're all in agreement. That's yeah. who I'd go with. Because I'm really surprised you didn't go with Julius Peppers. I felt like you would go. Julius I like Peppers. Julius Peppers, but I was a big Javon Curse. That's guy me, when I was too. Younger, too. He kind of so redefined that position yes. at the time mm-hmm. because yes. of his physical attributes. And look, others have done it better oh, than yeah, him yeah, now. Yeah. Like anything, but at that time, at that time, he was different. Yeah. He was unique. unique. I, and you I could would, move him around. And you, I would go yeah. Javon Curse. All right, so Javon Curse episode it is. All right, oh, we're, we're, I like it. Sometimes 74, it 74 career sacks, 28 career force fumbles. Nice. That's there solid. you go. Very G- solid. Great, really solid. Play. I'm in. Definitely. Yeah. Ian, thank you so much for, you got it, for joining us. Absolutely. Brian, my we, pleasure. We really, really appreciate you coming through. Continue you got the great work. Great season you. with the Brooklyn Nets. All right, that's it for this episode of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, episode 90 of the Javon Curse episode. Please be sure to subscribe. Also, check out our promotion with Flatbush and Atlantic. There's some great uh, gear for the Nets and other stuff that we have going on. For the great, legendary Iron Eagle, my man Brian Fonseca. Yes. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, guys. Peace. Peace.